clock strikes 12. That Midnight Mania Sports hosted by Austin Takuda and George Hathaway starts right now. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 16 here on Midnight Mania Sports. Austin Takuda with George Hathaway once again. And we actually have a busy week now in sports. The NBA has opened up the possibility for trades with the NBA draft just one day away. And MLB actually has free agency opened up as well and another week in the NFL, George. So I guess we have to start with, we're going to start with NBA today. Usually we go right into the NFL, but there's been some big NBA news and I think we've missed basketball and missed basketball headlines. So let's just start off with your New Orleans Pelicans because um, we know how much you love Zion and his team. They made a huge splash last night by trading Drew Holiday to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, three first-round picks, and the rights to swap two years of first-round picks as well. Um, yeah, the Pelicans did well in that trade, I think. I think the Bucks gave up a lot, but as a Pelicans fan, what are you thinking? I certainly do think the Pelicans won that trade. Essentially, that's five first-round picks right there for them, you know, with the two swap trades and the three first-round picks. Uh, the Pelicans, they won out. Clearly. I mean, Drew Holiday, he's, you know, kind of getting up there in age. He's in his mid thirties. So I believe that, you know, the Pelicans are trying to look towards the future more. I think Eric Bledsoe, he's a really good uh, guard. And so is uh, George Hill, but I mean, they didn't have success in Milwaukee. Everybody, nobody liked, you know, either of them there. I believe, I don't think they had played well when they were in Milwaukee, but I feel like, David Griffin and the Pelicans, they're going to try to shop around Eric Bledsoe or George Hill to see what they can get from that, essentially more draft picks or maybe another young star. But I think the Pelicans won. It's pretty simple. At first, when I didn't, at first when I saw it, it was just, um, what was it, uh, Bledsoe, Hill, and draft picks. And I didn't know what the draft picks were. But then when I saw what the uh, Pelicans were getting, it was clear that the Pelicans are looking towards the future. Yeah, the big thing here is Drew Holiday is not an all-star. So you're trading all of this for a guy. Yes, he's he's a pretty solid player. Um, averaged 19 points last year. In the last three seasons, he's averaged at least 19. He's averaged at least six assists over a steal and a half a game. But he's only made one all-star team in his entire career all the way back in 2012. He's a guy through his 11 seasons in the league. He's only played 75 or more games in three of those seasons. He gets hurt a lot as well. Obviously, this year with the pandemic, a little different, but again, I just don't see him as that big of an upgrade. I don't think Bledsoe's that good. I think he's more of a, a backup point guard at this stage in his career. But to give up that um, that much for Drew Holiday is dangerous because you're giving up three straight years of first-round picks. Now, if Giannis leaves, you are absolutely in a horrible position because if he, ends up, if he ends up leaving, your team's going to be horrible, and you're going to be giving the Pelicans – Probably top 10 picks. Now, that's a big if in this move. They're hoping to convince Giannis to stay with Chris Middleton and um, now Holiday, obviously. Um, but this is just for three first rounders. I mean, LeBron must be worth 15 first rounders then, <laughs> if that's the case. I mean, look what the Pelicans did, though, in the last you know two off seasons. You know, last season they traded Anthony Davis away for Brennan Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and um, like you know, a ton of first round picks. And then look what they did again this year, you know, with Eric Bledsoe, they gave away two players in return. They've gotten, you know, five decent players that are young and amongst that nine total picks in total. So, I mean, the Pelicans clearly have, you know, the future set and going to the Bucks though, Austin, their starting lineup doesn't look too bad. They have Drew Holiday, Bogon, Bogdanovich, he was uh, traded last night from the Kings to the Bucks, So they're going to have a really good shooter in him, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. I mean, that's a pretty solid starting five. I mean, looking at it right now on paper, they might be, you know, favorites out of the East, depending on what's going on in Brooklyn. But personally, I don't think that this team can make it that far. No, I don't either. And I think if you match them up right now, depending on who the Celtics what they do with Hayward and, you know, the center mm-hmm. situation. If you match up the Bucks and the Celtics, I think I'd take the Celtics still. I mean, position by position, I think Kemba can hold his own with Holiday. 
pretty much. And I think that's why Danny Ainge didn't pull the trigger because he didn't feel like Holiday was that big of an upgrade. And then Jalen Brown can really match up well with Chris Middleton or Bogdanovich and then Tatum, obviously, with Giannis, two top 10 players in the league, probably. Um, you just, I think you match up pretty well. I don't think – I think the Butts gave up a significant amount for Drew Holiday, which I don't – he's not, he's not the player – that gets that much. I mean, this is very similar to the Paul George trade, but Paul George has made an all-star team like every year. It's you're trading for a guy who's not an all-star just to get somebody to change things up, which I think, I think it will be a big mistake two years from now. And we'll kind of look back on it and wow, what were the, what were the bucks doing? Yeah. And for the, for the Pelicans, they did this at the right time. Drew Holiday was at his peak. I believe, you know, this season, and they wanted to get the most out of it. They could have done this last season or the year before, but they didn't because he wasn't at that level where we see him now. He's a, he's a great player. You know, he, he's really a great um, defensive guard, a great two-way player, and definitely underrated when it comes to defensive guards, I believe he is. Like, I like Drew Holiday. He's a really great player, and I thought he really fit well with the Pelicans, but I don't know. The, he just didn't you know he's at his peak right now and not in his career wise but I think as a Pelicans and where they kind of see him so they knew they could get the most you know bang for the buck in another trade that was made you mentioned Bogdanovich going from the Kings over to the Bucks as well uh in exchange for Bogdanovich the Kings received Dante DiVincenzo Ersan Ilyasova and DJ Wilson not a bad trade for the Kings um, Bogdan averaged 15, three and three last season with the Kings, a pretty good scorer, but they do get some upside with DiVincenzo, who I like as a, a, like a guy who can equal the production that Bogdanovich had And DJ Wilson is a young big man who has some potential. So not a terrible trade for either teams. I don't have a problem with what the Bucks gave up in that situation. And the Kings return wasn't terrible either. Yeah, I thought the Kings, it was a fair, that was a pretty even trade. Um, I like Bogdanovich. He's a great shooter. And I think he can provide, you know, the the Bucks with that. Because last year, you could see in the playoffs, they lacked shooting. And, you know, Chris Middleton had an off uh, playoff playoffs last season. And that showed with Giannis being hurt, it didn't really help them much. But still, you have some guys who can, you know, step up when needed. Drew Holiday can definitely help that, and so can Bogdanovich. And then today was the deadline for players to kind of decline or accept their player options. And a few of those options that were declined today, James Ennis, who is on the Magic, kind of a wing player, declined his $2.1 million option. He will be a free agent. Kings forward Jabari Parker, one of the biggest bust, draft busts of this decade, uh, has yeah. accepted his yeah. $6.5 million option. And we'll be back with the Kings. And then, obviously, the biggest option that us in New England are waiting on is Gordon Hayward. He has the ability to accept or decline his $30-plus million player option for one more season. But it was just announced a few hours back that they've extended that until Thursday night. So Hayward still has about 48 hours to decide if he's coming back to Boston. Now, what I think this means is they've extended it. I don't think Gordon Hayward's back. They extended it because they're giving Danny Ainge two more days to work out a trade where Hayward's no longer on the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Because if he was going to decline it, he doesn't need two more days. He would already know he's declining it. And if he was going to pick it up, um, if he was going to pick it up, I think he would already have decided, yep, I'm picking it up and back with the Celtics. Now, what's taking long, as I said, is he's picking it up in hopes that they trade him and they're going to work out a deal together because I don't think Gordon Hayward wants to be here anymore. No, I don't think he does. I don't think he saw he fit his role that he thought he was going to have on this team. Of course, injuries did not help him. Unfortunately, those are things that you can't take account for. And 34 million for the Celtics who are in need of a big man. They can spend that elsewhere on somebody good. You know, granted, Gordon Hayward's a great player. He was, you know, back in Utah in his first, you know, few seasons, maybe with the Celtics. But even when he got hurt, I, I just when I knew that the Celtics kind of really lost that deal. I believe it's going to be a sign-in trade with the Indiana Pacers, in my opinion. I would like to see him go there because the Celtics then would end up getting probably Miles Turner. I think that would be a fair deal, maybe some draft compensation. But still, 
the the Celtics need the big man, and that's probably why they're, what they're going to use Gordon Hayward for probably as like, you know, all right, we'll give you Gordon Hayward if you give me one of your big men. I think that makes the most sense is him going to Indiana. If you look at all the teams in the league and who has money and who has somebody that the Celtics would want, it has to be Indiana pretty much. I mean, you always you can talk about the Utah Jazz and him heading back, you know, essentially mm-hmm. home in a way where he's drafted with Rudy Gobert coming back to Boston, which is another possibility. But we haven't really heard those rumors. We've been it's been more focused around the Indiana Pacers and Miles Turner. Now with the NBA draft coming up, the Celtics do have those three first-round picks, 14, 26, and 30. Do you think the Celtics – now, I'll, I'll ask you first. Do you think the Celtics are drafting at all three of those picks, or is, do you think any of those picks get traded? I'll say at least two of those picks – or those draft picks get traded away. Right now, the Celtics could probably move up, depending on how good the deal is, if they – you know, probably their top two draft picks um, in the first round – those ones would probably go to a team that's probably looking to, you know, kind of drop down, maybe get a decent player from them. Cause right now the Celtics, you know, they're not going to touch, no one's touching Brown or Tatum at this point, but it's up in the air about, you know, smart and Kemba Hayward. Um, it's pretty much like some big names that are going around is those three. So they could use those players and maybe get a, a good draft pick, get a good big man. But still, Celtics have a decent pick from the Nets. Remember from, you know, years back when they did the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade with the Brooklyn Nets at the time. So I think the Celtics, what they need to do, though, is focus on a big man possibly trading up for one. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I can't see them picking three more first round talents after the last couple of years. We've just stockpiled role players. Uh, Grant Williams in the first round. We've seen guys like Robert Williams be taken late. Uh, obviously, Terry Rozier, who is now traded. So it, it kind of shows you, especially the Rozier situation, you continue to take these guys late in the draft and they don't become anything more than a role player. But at some point, you can't keep them all. So you kind of. Have a, have a situation where you have so many assets and um, you're kind of in a position where you don't want to keep drafting people. Now, a team that another team, you know, kind of going over to the Oklahoma City Thunder, they remind me a lot of the Celtics because they are stockpiling assets like Danny Ainge mm-hmm. did for the last few years. Now, the Thunder acquired more first-round picks in a trade to send Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns. They got back a few different role players, Ty Jerome, Kelly Oubre included in that deal. Um, and I have a problem with the NBA Twitter saying that Thunder GM Sam Hinkie has been is one of the best GMs in the NBA. He hasn't won anything. He, he stockpiled a bunch of assets, which doesn't make you a good GM. I mean, that doesn't that's just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, wow, good job. You have a lot of draft picks. That makes you a genius. We <laughs> haven't done anything with them yet or won anything. So until you do that, you're just another GM. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Austin, our kids, if they're basketball players, they might be drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's how long, you know, they have up until 2027. So, I mean, like, a first-round picks, which is insane. They have 16 first-round picks in the next seven. Yeah. yeah 16. They could fill out a whole roster of just first-round picks within five years. If they wanted to get rid of everybody on there and say, we're just starting over each year, they could, at one point, you know, five or six years from now, all of their guys will be first-round picks. So it, that's the thing, though. It's insane because, like, you want to make sure, though, that these picks are going to be good, right? You're, you're getting them from the Phoenix Suns, which, you know, are a decent team. If they make the playoffs, there you go. That's a, you know, 20 to 30 pick. They're not going to – Suns aren't going to be at the bottom of the list. So you're guaranteed at least a mid-first round pick. So are you going to get that top player in the draft? No, you're not. And – so for the Thunder, really, they're going to be, you know, they have to make sure they pick wisely. And you're not going to use all 16 of those in the next seven years. You're definitely going to want to, if you're the Thunder GM, you're going to want to use those as a trade value. You're going to want to either, you know, trade up for somebody using those picks or get a good player to the Thunder. Because right now, if you're the Thunder, you want to win. That's what's, you know, that's what you want. And you don't have those assets right now in Oklahoma City to win. You, you might have shy, shy uh, Gillis Alexander, but besides that, Stephen Adams, that might be it for, you know, off the top of my head, who I can think of. Yeah, and 
it, at some point, you know, one of these guys can turn to superstars, and you've already cycled through three of the best players of the last 10 years with Westbrook, Harden, <laughs> and Durant. You've already had three future Hall of Famers come through, and you've won nothing. Chris Paul also was there, Paul George at one point. So you've already, like, I don't understand, you know, the whole, oh, well, we're going to keep rebuilding. But how can you get better than what you had? You had an incredible duo with Durant and Westbrook, and you kind of blew it. And I also don't understand why they have a basketball team in Oklahoma City. They, yeah, they should they, they should move, never have had yeah. them. They should go back to Seattle. I agree 100%. There's no, that's part of the reason why people aren't staying. What is there to do in Oklahoma? Never mind Oklahoma City. Obviously, Durant was never going to stay. Westbrook, Harden, they traded, but I, I just, I don't get that. I mean, there was never a point where it was like, man, Oklahoma City is a destination. No, it, it's there. not even a tourist attraction, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if, if any of our listeners from Oklahoma, don't take this personal, but I mean, um, there's nothing to do with a desert. I'm not desert, but that's at least farmland, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not, like, familiar with anything. I, it's just, it's, like, similar to, like, Nebraska and all I those stepped states. foot I mean, out of this time zone, so I don't even know if, what it's like we over were, there. If we were doing, like, a tour of trying to go to every NBA arena, that'd probably be the last one on the list, because it's literally, like, in the, like if you, at least you went to Texas, you could hit, you know, Houston and Dallas. But, like, why wouldn't anyone ever, do they even have an airport in Oklahoma? Yeah, they have to, at least. I mean, Oklahoma State's a pretty decent-sized city, but I doubt there's anything to do. Like, there's nothing to see. No tourist attraction. Only only sports team in that city. Only only major yeah. sports team. Four major ones. There's no hockey team. There's no football team in Oklahoma. There's no baseball team. There never will be any of those. <laughs> I mean, they got college football, though. They got some – they got good college football down there. Yeah, whoopee not professional Nobody cares. yeah no I, I don't think so. yeah where is he now exactly that's why college football doesn't matter yeah no so i don't i don't like that they should move back to seattle that's the one thing i wish i mean seattle just got a, a hockey team they just got a hockey team yeah kraken they have everything they have the seahawks the kraken um the mariners <laughs> now they're just missing basketball it's going to be hard for them to move back i know the rams I believe they left Los Angeles, went to St. Louis, and were there. But they were there for 20 years at least before they moved back to. Los but Angeles. at least there's things to do in St. Louis, though. Yeah, yeah. I just think it will take a while before somebody, or the, like the Thunder. It's like the Jaguars in Jacksonville. You know, they're very similar. There's not. They do get good fans in Thunder games when they had Durant. When they had <laughs> they had the three best players in the NBA at the time. There, yeah. I mean, like. And when that's when they're playing the Heat in the uh, NBA Finals. So, I mean, really, that's the only time I think I ever watched a Thunder game was yeah, 2012. But, but, yeah, I mean, going off of that with the Thunder, uh, two former Thunder players that are now on the Rockets, Westbrook and Harden, are both reportedly requesting trades or want out of Houston. So, uh, Brooklyn, I guess, has interest, or James Harden has interest in Brooklyn. I think that's just a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, with Kyrie, James, and Durant, yes, that's a huge big three. And if they can all get along, probably the best team in the in the East with if they can keep Jared Allen as well in that deal because he's a great defensive center. Um, but I just I don't know if those three will work out. Those are three huge personalities. I'm already questioning if Durant and Kyrie will work out together. Now you have James Harden maybe being added to the mix. Now, here's the th- awesome. Uh, here's my question for you is if out of those three, who is the more toxic player? I'm going with Kyrie personally. And I love, and you know how much I love Kyrie too. And I'm going to say how he is more toxic than James Harden. Like, if there's any reason that that team like dismantles or anything, it's going to be because of Kyrie. Durant and Harden have a good chemistry. They're not like Westbrook and Durant. You know, those guys kept it civil when they let when Durant left and everything like that when Harden left so I mean I think those guys are close they're good but I mean it's Kyrie's a problem I feel like I agree I think his past and his track record um shows that you know he he might be the problem you have Durant who 
you know, there's accusations of him not being a great teammate, but they made it work in, in Golden State to win championships. And those are three egos right there. I mean, three right. different personalities. Obviously, Curry's a little bit more mellow and clay you can get along with. and But Draymond was a big personality. Yes. They, they made it work. Um, so I think, you know, Durant can make it work. Harden and Westbrook, we didn't hear too much of them fighting, but we also didn't hear that they got along super well either. So I, I feel like Harden, if he thinks that, you know, he's in a situation to win a championship, then he will kind of be quiet for a year and, you know, play basketball in a way. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like, I mean, he won't make a big deal out of it where Kyrie will just be completely out of things, where he takes himself out of the games or doesn't want to play. But I don't think Harden will do that. No, and if Harden ends up going to the Nets, this is this team better win a championship. <laughs> like Kyrie is probably one of the best point guards when healthy in the NBA. Durant's the best scorer. Harden, he can shoot the ball at a very high level as well. So, I mean, they have everything there. And defensively, too. Kyrie's great with steals. Uh, Harden, he's a liability, but that's, you know, you know, no nothing new there. And Durant can play um, defense as well. Jared Allen. He can probably one of the best shot blockers in the NBA right now. I mean, other than Giannis or AD. But, I mean, I think that the Nets are clear favorites out of the East if they land Harden. Um, And it's going to be a very interesting Eastern Conference, in my opinion. This is going to be a stacked Eastern Conference as well. I mean, just a few teams off the top of my head. You have the Celtics, of course, the Heat again, who are looking to go back to the finals. Uh, the Nets, Bucks, those teams are pretty stacked. Uh, Philadelphia, mm, I don't know. Not too keen on them right now, depending on what they do in the offseason. But so the East is stacked. Everyone's moving from the West to the East. And I think it's just to beat LeBron. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting. The Celtics are going to have a tough test ahead. But as I said before, as we talked about, Jalen and Tatum are both still in their early 20s. So even mm-hmm. if it's not this year, you don't need to panic, but they should be continuing to build a contender where you don't want to frustrate Tatum or Jalen Brown because how it's so rare now a guy plays his whole career with one team. So we can't really, have Boston yeah. fans be expecting Tatum to stay here his whole career. I mean, if you look at every superstar, even LeBron, he had his reasons for leaving Cleveland. I think the Celtics have treated Tatum better and built a contender around him better than LeBron had in Cleveland ever the first time. Um, but I just think it's it's going to be an interesting year in the East. And if you're Danny Ainge, you have to figure out a way to compete with these teams. And if you want to win championships, you can't wait till the competition retires. You have to go get it when you have superstars already in front of you. And I just saw one more report as we wrap things up on the NBA. Part of our show is the Bulls have expressed interest in Kemba Walker. Mm, I did see something like that, yeah. So that'll be interesting if they can get a deal done. I don't know. You know, the guy I would want is Wendell Carter the center for yeah, the Bulls. I, I actually like, like him a lot. I like I don't him a lot too. Bad. I think he hasn't got a fair shake. He's on a terrible team. But if he can kind of improve a little bit defensively, that wouldn't be a bad deal if you can get if you can move on from Kemba and possibly get Carter back. I'm not even sure that the Celtics would have to give up a ton more, maybe one more pick, but I think that'd be a good deal. I don't know obviously what they're doing. They all, the Bulls also have the fourth pick, so that's something to monitor this week. Austin, do you know where Wendell Carter's from? Or what school he went to? He may have went to Duke. I have a feeling he went to Duke or Kentucky. He's Duke. He's oh, Duke. So you must love him. I do. Actually, I, I had a uh, thread on him early quarantine of why I think, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. is probably a great, going to be a great center in the NBA. But, um, yeah, going back to what you said about Kemba, though, is that I think – that could be a decent trade, depending on who you know they get. Isn't Zach Levine still there too? I mean, he's a star as well. Um, Chris Dunn, I know, is there. So again, the Bulls also do have a new head coach and um, Billy Donovan. So I think getting Wendell Carter Jr. I think would be the best fit for Boston if they can't get Miles Turner. And I don't see the Bulls trading Kobe White yet either. Yeah, I, I, Kobe White to me, he he did good in his rookie season. He wasn't bad. I I don't like him for some reasons. Um, maybe because he went to UNC, but that might be it. Um, <laughs> no, I think he's a great guard though. Uh, he he'll definitely be on the rise. Give it a few years, 
and his his trade value will go definitely go up. I agree with that as well. But moving on from the NBA part of our show, we'll also have another show coming up on Friday this week, and we'll, I'm sure there'll be a ton more rumors to go through then. Probably. You have the MLB where Cubs president and general manager and the guy who runs the show, Theo Epstein, who was with the Red Sox back in the early 2000s for those championships, actually stepped down today and resigned. He said he'll be taking a year off from baseball. Uh, many people thought the Phillies and the Mets could make a run at Epstein because he's had success in building championship contenders, but it does not seem to be the case. It seems like he'll just be content with taking a year off. So that is big baseball news because of the success that Epstein has had. Yeah, I thought it was when I first saw that report, I was like, okay, but he it didn't really give a reason why. I don't know if there's something, you know, that still has to unfold, anything like that, or maybe just be personal reasons. Who knows? But Epstein, he was he's a great manager, a great GM rather. And whichever team really, if he doesn't even return to the Cubs, even in, you know, the uh, next year after maybe taking a year off or whatever, is that a lot of teams will be looking for him. And I think it is important. Like this is an important move, I believe. I think this will show how as a GM, if the Cubs, you know, can't really fill his position the correct way that, you know, it will just show how valuable he really is. Yeah, he's a guy who can build you a contender. I know he got a lot of criticism because some of the prospects that he traded, um, you know, ended up being pretty solid. And, you know, with that being Gleyber Torres on the Yankees when he traded for Chapman for just a rental. Um, so we'll have to see if when he, where, where his next opportunity will be. But it's definitely certain that he'll have another shot in baseball whenever he wants it. But there hasn't been too much free agency news in baseball or too many big trades. I mean, they move really slow, just like your typical baseball game. You <laughs> can just crawls along right there with it. Uh, Mike Clevenger, the star pitcher from the Indians who got traded to the Padres. He's had a pretty good last couple of seasons, posting a 2.96 ERA over his last 74 starts, which good enough for an all-star pitcher. He actually will be undergoing Tommy John surgery and will miss the next, the 2021 season. Now he was just acquired in the end right after right about the MLB trade deadline this year. Um, he pitched for the Padres in the playoffs. He was pitching with a, like a torn UCL, which is incredibly hard to do. He tried to go out there. He couldn't really make it work, uh, but he did sign a two-year extension. And obviously the first year of that extension um, will basically have him on the sidelines recovering from Tommy John. Yeah, and that's that's a big loss there for the Padres is that, you know, these are, of course, unexpected and you you don't take that into account when signing a player. So right now, the Padres should be reevaluating this contract after the two years are up, possibly to see if they want to keep him. If he's still the same coming back after Tommy John, because a lot of time pitchers, it's a it's a very, you know, hard surgery to come back from, I believe, just like an ACL injury in like basketball or football. Mm -hmm. So especially for a pitcher as well. And they're going to have the Padres, the organization, and they're going to have to like reevaluate and be like, okay, you know, is he still worth, you know, giving an extension to? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you have the guy, he's going to need a year to recover. And then even when he's back for 2022, the first couple months are going to be him getting up to speed um, in, in kind of game speed. It's completely different than throwing simulations. So, his whole career with the Padres is going to be a little bit, a little bit, you know, tough for him to kind of make it a success in a way and it, due to the injury, but we'll see how he bounces back. We have seen pitchers bounce back successfully from Tommy John surgeries. Mm -hmm. I know Jacob deGrom had elbow injuries early in his career, and he's obviously been a Cy Young pitcher since. You had Noah Syndergaard with the Mets as well. Um, but there are plenty of guys who have had the surgery and bounced back and done a good job. We have Chris Sale of the Red Sox recovering from Tommy John. So this year, the 2021 season, he will be back on the hill um, trying to, you know, regain his dominance that he once had. So that's really all. I mean, for baseball right now, there's not much. It will take a while. You might get one story a week for the MLB. Um, but we should look back at week 10 in the NFL and take a look at how we did with our bold predictions as well. But, uh, George, I guess first up, the Patriots with a huge win over the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. I don't know how many people picked them to win, but – it was a good game, I thought, and all things considered, Cam looked pretty well, and they actually 
the Ravens had had history going coming into the game where they had, I believe it was 31 or 34 straight games with 20 or more points scored, which was an NFL record, and the Patriots defense snapped that by holding them to 17 points. I thought that the Patriots played absolutely phenomenal. Given the circumstance, of course, the weather, that was a torrential downpour, and it was windy. And But here's the thing. They play in New England. They're used to it year-round. Bill Belichick knows how to coach in these circumstances. So I think that's why, you know, that was a big part of the win, of course. But Cam Newton played really well. 13 for 17, didn't pass a ball a lot. 118 yards, one passing touchdown. And he also had one rushing touchdown. So I thought Cam played really good for, you know, the given the circumstances, the Patriots ran the ball a ton, though. Uh, Damian Harris had 22 carries for 121 yards. And, you know, he looked better, you know, last week, um, week nine, he got, yeah, it was chest injury. So we didn't know if he was going to be back. It was very, it was questionable and it was good to see him play really well. And Rex Burkhead, he also had some big carries and Burkhead, he had uh, two catching touchdowns. And one thing I think everyone's talking about right now is Jacoby Myers. He had a touchdown pass in that game to Rex Burkhead. Yeah, Myers has looked really good. I mean, obviously, that was an impressive touchdown pass, but um, even his, re- his receiving game, he's done a nice job of stepping up and filling the void left by Edelman being on IR and Nikhil Harry not being good at football. So he's done a nice <laughs> job of really stepping up and becoming Cam Newton's number one target. And then obviously the creativity by Josh McDaniels was impressive. Uh, Rex Burkhead is one of McDaniels' favorite players because of he said he was incredibly unselfish. Um, and it was a good win for the Patriots. And the guy who I'm most impressed with, you mentioned it, Damian Harris, looks like he can be your running back for a while. I mean, I don't know the last time the Patriots have had a, really a franchise running back. You drafted Sonny Michelle hoping he would be the guy. And outside of a good playoff run, he really wasn't. Um, you had LeGarrette Blunt in and out of New England, and he was pretty solid. And you've even had Steven Ridley, who was a bust, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. So they really, I think they found a guy in Damian Harris that can carry the workload for a while. Yeah, no, I, I truly do like Damian Harris. I think he's going to probably replace maybe Sony Michelle Austin. I know you said that as well, um, that Sony Michelle, he's not really doing too much right now. And yes, he is on IR, um, but still. I don't think that he, he was good when we needed him, but right now Damon Harris has proved to be um, running back number one. Jacoby Myers, he's emerged. I like him. But Austin, I'm, I'm impressed with the defense. I really like how J.C. Jackson, um, five straight games with an interception. He had one against the Ravens, which was phenomenal. He now leads the NFL in interception. So to me, He's going to be a contender for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, we saw in Gilmore last year how well he performed, and Jackson stepped up. That's what we like to see. Yeah, I agree. J.C. Jackson continues to improve and play well defensively as to where he can be that number one guy, I think, when Stephon Gilmore is no longer here. Um, Another game that was pretty exciting on, on Sunday's NFL action, I thought, was the Steelers absolutely destroying the Bengals, and my bold prediction was wrong. I thought the Bengals would <laughs> win that game, but Big Ben and the Steelers moved to 9-0 and and continue to dominate with that solid defense and also has a pretty you know solid offense going along with it with Roethlisberger. Yeah, the, the Steelers played absolutely phenomenal. And, I mean, this was a tough you know game for the rookie. Joe Burrow, you know, going into a, a game against the 8-0, and then 8-0 and Steelers. And he didn't play terrible, I thought. 213 yards, one touchdown. It wasn't terrible. Um, but, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, on the other hand, 333 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, that's you, – you, not, you can't stop that. Yeah. yeah, the Bengals secondary struggled, but – Ben really did a nice job. They spread the ball really well. Chase Claypool with two touchdowns, Juju Smith-Schuster with one, and Deontay Johnson with one. So everyone getting involved in the offense. And I think some of the biggest news coming out of Sunday was Drew Brees' injury. Now, he reportedly entered the game with some kind of cracked rib, but he left the game after a big hit, and he left with 
think four more cracked ribs and a collapsed lung and was replaced by Jameis Winston. So I don't know if we'll see Drew Brees again this season or again on an NFL field after that hit. There are rumors that he could be ready for the playoffs, but it's Jameis's chance here to earn a huge contract. I mean, if he plays well, Jameis could be looking at a $100 million contract if he can get the Saints deep into the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about a hundred because the last time he got a big contract, he ended up having a 20 touchdown, 20 interception season with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I, I like this. This is a fresh start for him. You know, he's learned under Drew Brees, who's a great mentor. He, I don't think he had anybody in Tampa Bay to really teach him, you know, the ropes of, you know, playing football in the NFL for a team and, especially at QB. So I think Drew Brees must have mentored him well, and he's really going to prove his worth this season. And if he can go, you know, in the post, in the playoffs and do well, yeah, we're probably looking at a big contract for him. Of course, that's, you know, depending on how Drew Brees is, if he's going to retire. But if, if you're Brees, this is an injury that's, you know, kind of going to wake up your eyes, I feel like, and be like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in age. I've had my success. Now I think it's time to, you know, maybe retire. So I think that's what Drew Brees is probably thinking about right now is his future in his career in the NFL. So I think this injury might, you know, kind of, you know, let him know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Brees is a guy who, you know, has regressed a little bit the last couple of seasons, not being able to make the throws he once made which is expected with age, but another guy who we thought was struggling and then all of a sudden lights it up again is Tom Brady down in Tampa, having a big win over the Carolina Panthers, uh, throwing touchdowns all over the place. Even Gronkowski got involved. Antonio Brown with seven catches for 60 yards. So a pretty good game, a good bounce back game. I mean, we kind of expected that from Brady because he usually doesn't have two bad games in a row. No, I mean, Brady had three plus interceptions in week nine and here he comes week 10, week 10, lighting it up on the field. Of course it's Tom Brady. You don't expect anything less of him with a game like that. Three touchdowns, 341 yards. It's Tom Brady. And there's not much you can say there, especially the offense that he has around him. Uh, and this was a Panthers team, Teddy Bridgewater. He does, he didn't get hurt, you know, on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think I'm pretty sure I heard it was an MCL sprain or something like that. So he will probably be out for a few weeks, depending on, you know, the severity of the injury. So, and I like Teddy Bridgewater. I always thought he was good up until, you know, his injuries really set him back, but still the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're never going to doubt them out, especially with Tom Brady at QB. Yeah, and a guy that you like a lot, speaking of the quarterback position, is Tua Tagovailoa, and the Dolphins won again. Tua, what, 3-0 now as a starter. Uh, yeah. Still an okay game. Let's not get too carried away. He was 15 for 25, only 169 yards passing. Did have two touchdowns, but he is doing enough to get his team wins. It reminds me a lot of Alex Smith back when he was a pretty efficient starter like this. He's not going to throw for 300 yards a game, but he's going to help you game manage and get you wins. Yeah. And Austin, I was looking forward to talking about this with you because it was against your, one of your favorite rookie quarterbacks, Justin Herbert. And this, I think was a true test to compare these two head to head on the same playing field. Yeah. But at the same time, you have like, the, if, even if two ends up, you know, statistically you compare the twos, last six or seven games that they all they play you could I mean if Tua ends up being better than Herbert he's still not going to win rookie of the year because he admit he didn't play the first six weeks of the season but I do like Herbert better than Tua long term I still do I, I like Herbert better I like Joe Burrow better I do like Tua better than Jared Goff in Carson Wentz the one and two picks from a few years ago two guys who didn't really amount to much which shows you when's the last time that a Besides, like, you have Mahomes, right? A franchise quarterback was really drafted in the top five picks. And Mahomes was in the top five picks, so he's not—he's out the window. Ba- Baker Mayfield? But he's not good. That's the thing. Uh, Baker's really true. not good either. If you look at his stats, he only threw for 130 yards on Sunday. So look at all these picks. You have Sam Donald, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, 
all all not up to par. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson's so not bad, right? He's not bad. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not a franchise he's a franchise quarterback, but at the same time, he has struggled to kind of be an MVP candidate. Lamar was a a late a late pick in the draft, and even you go back to Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, those were just a few seasons ago, and Mariota is now inactive as the third string quarterback for the Raiders, and now Jameis has a chance, but. It seems like in the last 10 years, even Sam Bradford uh, back in the 2010 or beginning of the 2010s, you had the last 10 Johnny years, Manziel. so many, yeah, I mean, so many first round quarterbacks that have been bad, but you look at it like back when Bray was, you know, Bray was a late pick, but Manning and Breeze and Rivers and Eli, all these guys who became in Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers, all those guys became like legendary quarterbacks, but it seems like there are so many busts right now that you have Dak Prescott going in the second round and even like Josh Allen and Mahomes going a little bit later in the rounds where, I mean, later in the first round where you don't necessarily need the number one pick to get a franchise quarterback. And we've seen that a lot in recent years. Yeah. And that's the kind of like the sad thing is that the quarterback position is you're not going to guarantee to get a star quarterback in the first round anymore. I feel like. That's why, you know, you, you talk, we're talking about next, you know, NFL draft, um, you know, tanking for Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, but are these guys going to be, you know, the next big thing for your franchise? I mean, look at the Jets, look how many quarterbacks they've gone through. I mean, don't even get me started with the Browns. I don't think I have enough fingers to count on, you know, in the last 10 years, how many quarterbacks they've drafted and played for them. So, I mean, it, it's just like, you know, is you know, the quarterback position in the first round, is it worth it to, to draft, especially with that high of a pick? You can maybe get um, a pl- another role player that will help you out more and maybe get a decent quarterback in the second round. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And another team that struggled on Sunday too was we talked about Carson Wentz. He actually, they lost to the Giants, which was surprising to me. Uh, the Giants have only been able to beat the Redskins the last few seasons, but the Eagles and Wentz, I mean, he missed on so many throws again, and it, this time it helped, you know, cost them a win. So the Giants and Eagles now, that division becomes even tighter with everybody still being not good. Uh, so you know what's sad about this? I am pretty sure the Eagles are still in first place in the NFC East, even with a record of three yeah. and five. Right behind him is the Giants, though, who beat him twice. So I think that this could really come down to, you know, who has the advantage over each other in the division. Cowboys are 2-7, and seven, so are the uh, Washington football team. So, I mean, it's going to come down to it, – it might be the Giants, Austin. I'm not going to lie. It might be the Giants who are going to come out of the NFC East, but still it's just – it's disappointing to see. 100%. You'd think that the um, Eagles would have been able to step up. You know, they made it to that Super Bowl, but haven't recovered since then. So that's really, I mean, all of these, you know, big games from this weekend in the NFL. Any games that we're missing, George? Uh, the, yeah, the one of my favorite ones and my personal MVP candidate and my MVP winner is we got to talk about the Cardinals-Bills. What oh, right. Doing that yeah, was. I forgot about that. Yeah, what Kyler Murray, I mean, Kyler struggled a little bit throwing the ball for most of the game, but if you didn't see that, I mean, he threw that Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins who caught it over the three best defenders on the Bills secondary, Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde, three really good uh, players in the secondary. That has to be one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, in our generation, some of the best catches we've seen. Odell Beckham comes to mind. Um, dare I say it, David Tyrese. We're just going to gloss over that, though. Um, and then do we have DeAndre Hopkins? I, mean, I don't know if I'm missing a few. Um, Des Bryant didn't catch the football. If that if he did, it would have been a right, good catch. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I really can't think of any other great you know, catches that I've seen in like the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, that was just great. And you mentioned Kyler's definitely worked his way into the MVP conversation. I think he's past Russell Wilson because Wilson threw two more picks, I believe, 
and the Seahawks lost to the Rams. So Kyler on pace to rush for a thousand yards as a quarterback and throw for 4,000 yards has definitely put himself into that conversation. But for now, I have to give it to Mahomes still based on the fact that he has mm-hmm. 20 touchdowns and one interception. Uh, so with Kyler has eight interceptions is the only thing that might prevent him from winning it. But his rushing stats make up for it, I think. Yeah, I think Kyler Murray definitely proved himself this year. And it only helps having one of the best receivers in the NFL and DeAndre Hopkins. And that certainly helped immensely. And clearly the uh, Cardinals won that trade and disappointing to see the Houston Texans again, Bill O'Brien pretty much just messing everything up over there before he got fired. But I mean, if you look at that play though, by Murray, he was getting chased. I almost thought for a second he was going to get sacked and it would have been game over. Then he just heaves Mm -hmm. a 50-yard throw downfield and was like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins hopefully catches this. And I think a lot of people are giving credit to Hopkins for catching the ball. But, I mean, you got to give credit to Kyler Murray, though, for on the run and kind of falling out of bounds. I thought, you know, he should get some credit as well. Yeah, great throw. Um, Obviously, we talked about the catch, but it was it was a good all-around play, and Kyler just being able to keep that play alive. That's a play that, you know, no offense to Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but those guys can't make because they can't get out of the pocket like Kyler can. So that, that shows the advantage of having a mobile quarterback in the NFL now. But anything else from the NFL that we missed here, George, to go over? I don't know. I mean, you, I was my last thing I was going to mention was uh, – no, wait a second. Oh, count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Was the um, probably well, we Seattle do have game. one more rumor? I think we over in yeah, yeah, Seattle uh, what, with Russell Wilson losing to the Rams. Jared Goff and his defense played well, yeah. And I was gonna say my bold take yours was the Bengals winning, which they didn't. Mine was Dalvin Cook three touchdowns, 200 yards. Uh, that didn't happen no. clearly because the Vikings <laughs> won 19 to 13. He did have 96 yards, close yeah. but no cigar, I guess, for the 200 yard mark and no touchdowns. So, rough week for us, Austin, on our bull takes. Not a good one, but we'll be back with Friday with another chance at it. But yeah, I think uh, the last thing here on the show for today, unless we have anything else, is there's a new rumor breaking, George, in the NBA. I mean, there's rumors every hour about, you know, this time of year, but this one involves the Celtics and possibly James Harden. Yeah, and I, I, I saw so, that, and I was like – is it worth it in the Celtics, in my like opinion, as for the Celtics? Is it worth it? Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, probably all three first-round draft picks. I mean, it's, it's a former MVP and one of the best scorers in the NBA and a scoring champion. Uh, of course, you're going to have to give up a lot of you know assets for James Harden in a trade like this. But if the Celtics do you know, somehow pull this off, is it worth it? Is he another going to be another Kyrie Irving situation? Yeah, that's what I'm worried about is, I mean, Danny Ainge will get superstars. He's done it before. He's traded for Hall of Famers, Garnett, Ray Allen, and then obviously the Kyrie trade. So you can never count him out, but it's he might be hesitant because of the the way Kyrie ruined things. But if he does it and doesn't have to give up Jalen, he won't give up Tatum. There's no way. But no. if he doesn't have to do Jalen Brown and he can do this trade, then I think he does it because at the end of the day, draft picks aren't the same as giving up um, young talent. Yeah, this would really level out the playing field in the Eastern Conference, really. This would give the Celtics a legit shot. I mean, just thinking about it, I don't know if I could see picture, you know, James Harden, in, you know, green and white, but uh, you know, just thinking about it, him and Tatum could be a nice duo. Um, considering if Harden passes him the ball once in a while, that's 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 a big concern. Is you don't want to hurt Jason Tatum because if you know he doesn't get the ball or if he doesn't improve as a player, then Celtics are gonna look foolish for hyping him up all this time, mm-hmm. and then he's gonna want out, and then there goes your future. I mean, granted, look at this though. I mean, Harden's older than Tatum. How many years left are you gonna have with Harden? possibly a two-year deal or it's not gonna you're not gonna do anything you know huge for James Harden but you want to do something big for Jason Tatum so I think long term yeah you want to run a championship right now but how is that going to happen if you still have to stop Kevin Durant possibly in the Eastern Conference Finals 
100%. It's going to be interesting to see what Danny Ainge does. I mean, whatever move he makes, I don't really criticize him too much. I think he's done a good job. But at some point, you've got to get another championship to Boston. Yeah, and, and you don't want the Lakers because we all know how that franchise is and their fan base. If they get 18 championships, we all know what's going to happen. So, I don't know. It's still, you know, Boston's better than L.A. We clearly proven that in every other sport. So, um, yeah. And you're going to have to stop LeBron in the finals again. So, will the Celtics be able to do that with James Harden and just James Harden? Yeah, they'll give it a good shot. But still, who's going to be guarding Anthony Davis? That's the big question. You know, who's the big man? for the Celtics that'll be the thing is if who can guard Embiid who can guard the guys down low and who can stop Giannis and Jimmy Butler and Adebayo from getting to the paint we'll have to see what Danny Ames does George any final thoughts on this week's episode of Midnight Mania Sports we will have another episode on Friday but for today anything else I'm just glad the Dallas Cowboys did not play this week, Austin. So I didn't have any disappointing news this week. It was a overall like a really, you know, all of our teams won except for our bold takes. But, you know, I think it was a good week for us overall. And I didn't have to deal with you making fun of me liking the Dallas Cowboys. And make sure to tune in on Power 88.3 for more sports episodes. Well, they'll be back in action soon enough. I will be starting Zeke again in fantasy. I did get a big win this week without him, with him on his bye week. So we'll see what happens. But that, <laughs> that'll be interesting to see where, where uh, if Zeke can carry me to victory again. But that'll be all on this episode of Midnight Mania Sports. Big news ahead with the Celtics this week. Be sure to check in on our social media pages at Midmania Sports. And we will have another episode coming at you Friday, hopefully with some new N- uh, NBA news and maybe even a new Celtics, a couple players, and maybe a new superstar. So we'll have to see. Be sure to keep checking in, and we'll see you back on Friday. Thank you for listening.